0: Chapter 36 of Havoc by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss, Tom's Audiobooks.com. Chapter 36 Laverick acquitted. At midday on the following morning, Laverick stepped down from the dock at Bow Street and, as the evening papers put it, in company with his friends, left the court. The proceedings altogether took scarcely more than half an hour. Laverick's solicitor first put Shepherd in the box, who gave his account of Morrison's visit to the restaurant, spoke of his hurried exit, and identified the knife which he had seen him snatch up. Cross-examined as to why he had kept silent, he explained that Mr. Morrison had been a good customer, and he saw no reason why he should give unsolicited evidence which would cost a man his life. Directly, however, another man had been accused, the matter appeared to him to be altogether different. He had come forward the moment he had heard of Laverick's arrest to offer his evidence. While the opinion of the court was still undecided, Laverick's solicitor called Miss Zoe Leneview. A little murmur of interest ran through the court. Laverick himself started. Zoe stepped into the witness box, looking exceedingly pale, and with a bandage over the upper part of her head she admitted that she was the half-sister of arthur morrison although there was no blood relationship she described his sudden visit to her rooms on the night of the murder and his state of great alarm she declared that he had confessed to her on the previous afternoon that he had been guilty of the murder in question her place in the witness-box was taken by the honourable david bellamy he declared that the prisoner was an old friend of his and that the twenty thousand pounds of which he had been recently possessed had come from him for an investment in Laverick's business. The circumstances, he admitted, were somewhat peculiar, and until negotiations had been concluded Mr. Laverick had doubtless felt uncertain how to make use of the money. But he assured the court that there was no person who had any claim to the sum of money in question save himself, and that he was perfectly aware of the use to which Laverick had put it. Laverick was discharged within a very few minutes, and a warrant was issued for the apprehension of Morrison. Laverick found Bellamy waiting for him, and was hurried into his motor. "'Well, you see,' the latter exclaimed, "'we kept our word. That dear plucky little friend of yours turned the scale. But in any case I think that there would not have been much trouble about the matter. The magistrate had received a communication direct from the home secretary concerning your case.' "'I am very grateful indeed,' Laverick declared. "'I tell you, I think I am very lucky. I wish I knew what had become of Miss Leneview. The usher told me she left the court before we came out.' "'I asked her to go straight back to her rooms,' Bellamy said. "'You must excuse me for interfering, Laverick. But I found her almost in a state of collapse last night in German Street. I was having Morrison watched, and my man reported to me that he had left his rooms in a state of great excitement and that a young lady was there who appeared to be seriously injured. Damn scamp! Laverick muttered. I did everything I could, Bellamy continued. I fetched her at once and sent her back to her house with a hospital nurse and someone to look after her. The wound wasn't serious, but the fellow must have been a brute indeed to have lifted his hand against such a child. I wonder whether he'll get away. I should doubt it, Laverick remarked. He hasn't the nerve, He'll probably get drunk and blow his brains out. He's a broken-spirited cur, after all. "'You'll have some lunch?' Bellamy asked. Laverick shook his head. "'If you don't mind, I'd like to go on and see Miss Leneview. Put me down at the club, then, and take my car on, if you will.' Laverick walked up and down the pavement outside Zoe's little house for nearly half an hour. He had found the door closed and locked and a neighbor had informed him that Miss Leneview had gone out in a cab with the nurse some time ago and had not returned. Laverick sent Bellamy's car back and waited. Presently a four-wheeled cab came round the corner and stopped in front of her house. Laverick opened the door and helped Zoe out. She was as white as death, and the nurse who was with her was looking anxious. "'You are safe, then?' she murmured, holding out her hands. "'Quite,' he answered, "'you dear little girl.' Zoe had fainted, however, and Laverick hurried out for the doctor. Curiously enough, it was the same man who only a week or so ago had come to see Arthur Morrison. She has had a bad scalp wound, he declared, and her nervous system is very much run down. There is nothing serious. She seems to have just escaped concussion. The nurse had better stay with her for another day, at any rate. You are sure that it isn't serious? Laverick asked eagerly not in the least,' the doctor answered dryly. "'I see worse wounds every day of my life. I'll come again to-morrow if you like, but it really isn't necessary with a nurse on the spot.' His natural pessimism was for a moment lightened by the fee which Laverick pressed upon him, and he departed with a few more encouraging words. Laverick stayed and talked for a short time with the nurse. "'She has gone off to sleep now, sir,' the latter announced. "'There isn't anything to worry about.' She seems as though she had been having a hard time, though there was scarcely a thing in the house but half a packet of tea, and these she held up a packet of pawn tickets. I found these in a drawer when I came. She said, I had to look round because there was no money and nothing whatever in the house. Laverick was suddenly conscious of an absurd mistiness before his eyes. Poor little woman, he murmured, "I think she'd sooner have starved than ask for help." The nurse smiled. "'I thought at first that she was rather a vain young lady,' she remarked. "'An empty larder and a pile of pawn-tickets, and a new hat with a receipted bill for thirty shillings,' she added, pointing to the sofa. Laverick placed some notes in her hands. "'Please keep these,' he begged, "'and see that she has everything she wants. I shall be here again later in the day. There is not the slightest need for all this. She will be quite well off for the rest of her life.' "'Will you try and engage someone for a day or two to come in until she is able to be moved?' "'I'll look after her,' the nurse promised." Laverick went reluctantly away. The events of the last few days were becoming more and more like a dream to him. He went to his club almost from habit. Presently the excitement which all London seemed to be sharing drove his own personal feelings a little into the background. The air was full of rumors. The Prime Minister and the Foreign Secretary were spoken of as one speaks of heroes. Nothing was definitely known, but there was a splendid feeling of confidence that for once in her history, England was preparing to justify her existence as a great power. End of chapter thirty six. Recording by Tom Weiss. Tom's audiobooks.com.